Sports is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Plains and Blues scoreless five minutes left in the first. How about Seattle? The Kraken up 2-0 in Boston. Final minute of the second period. After two, Red Wings lead the Leafs 2-1. Eight minutes left in the second. Canucks and Lightning 2-2. Late second period. Winnipeg up 2-1 in Buffalo. Early second period. Islanders leading the Wild 1-zip. Canadians with a 3-2 lead on Nashville. That's with about eight minutes left in period two. Caulfield with his 24th. Stars up 1-0 against the Rangers. Close to the end of the second period there. And five minutes left in the second. Hurricanes leading the Blue Jackets 2-1. NBA tonight. Late first half, Raptors 65, Hornets 53. Oilers tomorrow at San Jose, 7 o'clock face-off show here on 6.30, Chad, and the puck will drop at 8.30. Well, I am honored to welcome my next guest to the show. I think you can say when it comes to the uh, world of hockey and the NHL, he has literally done it all. He's been a player, he's been a coach, he's worked in the league office and we're going to dive into as much of that as we can in the next half hour. Mike Murphy checking in tonight. Hi Mike, how are you doing? Hey Reed, I'm doing real good. Thank you for uh, the very generous introduction. Well, hey, I, I'm honored to have you on the show. Uh, thanks to uh, to John Shannon for the connection here. And I appreciate you doing this because you just recently retired as the NHL's VP of Hockey Ops, uh, I guess less than two weeks ago. I'll, I'll just start there. I, I, I mean, a, lo- a long career. What made you feel it was uh, time to take a step into the next stage of your life? Well, there's a, a, a quite a few things. I, I think mostly... Uh, the sacrifice that my wife and my family, uh, my children and my grandchildren have put up with over the last 23 years, that's my duration of time at the uh, league office. And the, the, the job required a lot of late nights, a lot of busy uh, afternoons. So th- those, those grandchildren and even my children, the missed hockey games, the missed... Uh, uh, basketball games, volleyball games, uh, teachers' e- events, uh, school events were were something that I'd sacrificed, and my wife had sacrificed because of my job. So I, it had gotten to a point where we were in really good shape in the uh, in the Situation Room. We had an excellent staff, and, and still do. And I thought this might be the right time. I spoke to Colin Campbell, who was my boss, about a year ago about maybe putting this in in motion and we discussed it uh, a little further we drilled down and felt like uh, if we could get till uh, december 31st that might be a perfect time uh, the season, the start of the season would be well over some of the new rules would be implemented players would be playing refs would be refing uh, so that's kind of how we got to the retirement stage and it's been uh, it's been good so far uh, I'm I'm really blessed because I I'm going to still remain with the league and do special projects for them uh, if they um, if they need some help in the video room on certain evenings because we do get short staffed when there's an event somewhere in the league an outdoor game in Boston I, I know in February we have one in Carolina so I plan to go back and and spend some time in the Situation Room so. That's that's the long and the short of it, and uh, uh, it, I'm very comfortable with the decision, and I've been really fortunate to have worked with uh, having a great job, a fun job, 
and uh, uh, worked with great people. And it's uh, it's it's really been a blessing my whole life. This uh, working for the league, it's just been uh, it's been really a, a a pleasure for me to be have been with them for so long. Mike, uh, you mentioned the Situation Room video review. I, I'm going to spend several minutes on that, but I'll do that a little later in the interview because, I, I, I mean, you you really have had an interesting career. I mean, you played 831 games. A lot of people might forget that because they, they know you better as, as your work in, in hockey ops. For I, I'm just curious for you that the transition from player and coach, you know, you're involved in the day-to-day battles, you're competitive, to then going to, to work for the NHL? Because I, I would think maybe some, that wouldn't interest some guys, right? They prefer being on a team, being competitive. They view the league as those mean guys that were giving them penalties and suspensions all those years <laughs> or whatever, right? But what interested you in, in making that transition from that really competitive side of it to going to more sort of the video review, the rule enforcement side, the rule making side of it and all that type of stuff? Well, it's, it's a good question, and, and uh, I, I never, I never forgot what it was like to win a game and to lose a game, and, and how painful it was to be behind the bench when you lost, and how joyful it was when you won. And that's a feeling you do lose, but your competitiveness still stays with you. You um, you work hard to make sure the right calls are made. You work hard to assist the referees when you can in certain situations. So those are challenges that are on a nightly basis with you. So you have to be sharp. You have to be competitive. You have to be uh, uh, involved in the games. And I guess once you start down that path, it's not e- easy to go back to the other, to the other uh, work of coaching and, and being involved with a team. So, uh, and, and it worked well. Like, I, I was fortunate. I got on board in 1999, and video review was really new. Uh, there was no situation room. It was done in-house at all the arenas. And I was fortunate to kind of be on the ground floor where we started out with what is now the situation room or the video room. And, uh, you know, we were we were just a bank of TVs with some VCRs for a long period of time trying to look uh, and protect players more than even video review. It was more of a player safety department. And um, that challenge and the challenge that came not long after that where we started to review goals to make sure that they were they went in legally, that they did cross the line, was kind of a secondary stage. Uh, we still did the player safety stuff. And back then the game was a lot different from a physical point of view. There was a lot more stick work, elbow work, uh, suspensions were longer. There was a, a, there was more of a viciousness to the game in the uh, in the uh, early 2000s, and I, I think that's been weeded out. I think the game is in much better shape now, and uh, we have a tremendous amount of skilled players and a tremendous amount of skill night in and night out. So I, 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 that's that's uh, a little bit of the summary, and uh, there was all. It's always been a challenge in there. Every night you're in there, there's a challenge. There's, you know, I don't know how many times I've come out of the situation room and looked at one of our guys in there and said, I've never seen that play before. I've never had that happen before. And uh, those type of things are always challenging to make sure you do the right thing, to make sure you get the right answer, 
and serve the game the best you can because that's what that room's there for. It's to serve the, the players. It's to serve the game. It's to serve the fans. And uh, uh, that that is always a challenge. Maybe not the challenge, same challenge of winning a game or losing, winning a game, but uh, it is a challenge. All right. Well, that's a great transition to, into talking more about the Situation Room and video review. And, and, and you and I spoke briefly this afternoon, and, and you kind of said, like, I, I, I don't remember every single call because there's so many, right? Like, it's not all the Oilers fans remember the Oilers calls, but you're doing, all, you know, all 32 teams at, at some point. But I, I kind of want to ask you in general. Now, we have a coach's challenge. So there are some situations where you don't have to look at it unless the coach's challenge. Uh, like a more yeah. recent goal uh, was the Blake Coleman kicked in play Edmonton and Calgary in game five where the, where it was decided to, to take a look at. So yeah. can you tell me, I, I guess if you can, kind of a Coles notes, I know it might be a complicated process, but how does it start where video review, where, where you guys in that room might say, Hold on, something might be up here. We we need to, to we need we need a couple minutes. How does how does that get rolling? You know, aside from the coach's challenge. Well, m- most of them are 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 fairly uh, common, and I don't. Every play is a little different, but we do get uh, kicked pucks that we see quite a bit. In fact, there was one in the Red Wing Leaf, Leaf game tonight that I was getting text messages from. Uh, different people because the Leaf player had kicked it and it wasn't really kicked at the net, but it was kicked and it hit a Red Wing player's skate and went in the net. And you can't kick a puck that goes off any player and goaltender and goes into the net. It's no goal. Now, he didn't intend to kick it in the net, but he did kick the puck. So it ended up in the net. And that's a, that's a sharp ruling by those guys who are in the situations room because that's a rule it's again we don't make the rules uh the situation room just uh enforces the rules and when it comes to video review or coaches challenge so uh the blake coleman one was a very difficult one and we get ones in there that are really really split down the middle it could go either way and we felt like he propelled the puck into the net that he bunted the puck and then and that's that's kind of a summary. And we had, you know, five or six guys working that night, and it was unanimous with the group that we weren't comfortable with this play the way it was put into the net. And that's how we ruled. And, um, uh, you know, it was, uh, as I said, it was a difficult call, and it got lots of objection from the, uh, from the Calgary people, and still to this day it does. But we're in there to make sometimes these really difficult calls we have no agenda we're not we're not siding with any one team or another in fact very often when we make a ruling read we'll say to ourselves like okay who is that who is that ruling against or who did it go for you won't even see colors you're just looking at actions and trying to uh trying to process it into what has happened before what what protocol do we have have we had one similar to this those are all things that are going through your head. And we have such a sharp group of guys in there that they'll say, oh, that, that one's like uh, the one in Boston, the one in Detroit the night before. So we, we, we uh, connect, try to connect everything as much as we can so that we are consistent in our rulings. And I think that's one of the reasons the Situation Room has worked so well is 
we bring consistency, we bring accuracy, and we bring speed because it's the same guys every night doing the same thing. And uh, we really do try to do things in a hasty fashion because we realize once that game stops, the fans aren't very happy. It's not good for the game. It's not good for the people in the crowd. It's not good for people at home. And, you know, we, we try to be as rapid and as quick and as accurate with those rulings as we can. So uh, that that's a little bit of the Blake Coleman uh, review. It was a very tough one, I can tell you that. Okay. Mike, hey, can you hang on the line? I just want to get a couple more in after our break here. Yes, absolutely. Right on. It's great stuff here with Mike Murphy, former NHL VP of Hockey Operations on Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. That is the name of the program, Oilers and Sharks. Tomorrow, we'll get some Sharks perspective from our old buddy Drew Remenda coming up after the 7 o'clock news. Pleased to be joined here by uh, Mike Murphy, recently retired as the NHL's Vice President of Hockey Operations, and we're talking about life inside the Situation Room. Some people call it the War Room, but it's where all the video review stuff gets done. Mike, great to have you on the show. I'm going to ask you a question this way. Um, I'm going to ask it in a yes-no fashion, though, of course, you know it's not a yes-no question. (laughs) Sometimes when somebody like me in the media or fans see a a ruling and and maybe even look it up in the rule book, they might say, well, it's a gray area. Do gray areas actually exist when it comes to rules and rule enforcement? Yes, they do, and I think that the the rule book the rule the rule book is a guideline for the officials. Uh, great officials know the rules, but they have they provide good judgment in interpreting the rules and common sense. Sometimes common sense might uh, dictate uh, changing a play, and you know I refer to one. I remember we had one of our top officials. He called a tripping penalty on a Blackhawk player on Crosby behind the net. This was a year or so ago. And and uh, the, the other official went over and he, was, he didn't trip Crosby. Uh, he was nowhere near him. His stick was nowhere near him. And they took down the call. They, they took down the penalty, which, you know, in the rule book, we're not supposed to do that. But it was absolutely the right thing to do. It, it serves the game better and it serves the players better. It's 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 one of those areas where referees aren't infallible. You can't do it all the time, but when it's clearly a mistake and a wrong call, uh, making that quick adjustment like they did to me was the right thing. Yet we'll, we'll get all kinds of resistance from it because there are a lot of penalties out there that you go, boy, I don't think that was a penalty or I'm not sure that was the right call. And that happens through the course of a game, and it happens for both sides and in all teams. But I do think there is common sense and good judgment, and the best officials use that on a regular basis. So when when we talk about, and, and obviously we're usually, well, we're pretty much talking about goal calls, you know, overturning a goal or, or allowing a goal to be awarded. When it's in that situation room, but let me ask you this first, how much... How heavily involved are the are the officials in the game? Like, remind me of that. Like, are the linesmen w- with the offside calls? Do the refs talk to you guys back and forth with a goal call? How does that dynamic work? 
Yes. Well, with, with offside, it's a little more clear cut. It's it's either offside or it's not. And video review will either support it or not support it. You either see uh, you either see the player over the blue line ahead of the puck or you don't. It's it's fairly black and white. So we do communicate with the alignsmen. I guess the one area of, of judgment might be. Um, uh, possession and control where a player might be spinning with the puck. I, I know recently we had one where uh, Connor McDavid was called offside. He, he was handling the puck and spun and then kind of lost control of the puck and gained it back and went in the score and we ended up taking the goal down because it was offside. He proceeded the puck over the blue line and had lost possession. So those are those are a little bit more subjective but when we, when we do have a goal, uh, a a goalie interference challenge, yes, we do involve the referees. And, and one of the most important things in the whole process of a challenge is uh, what's the referee's call on the ice? Did they call it a goal or did they call it a no goal? And, and, and uh, our mandate from the general managers, and that's all 32 of them, and from the ownership and from our, our own bosses, our commissioner and deputy commissioner, uh, uh, is if the call's not clearly wrong, we do not change it. So uh, a lot of times the play will be 50-50, and you'll say, geez, I think that, that should be goal interference, and somebody else will say, yeah, I, I don't think it's goal interference, I think it's a goal. Well, whatever the referee's call on the ice is, is really the baseline for where we start. Now, when we think a call is wrong, uh, there's there's some things that I always tell coaches when I talk to them. You know, first of all, uh, the call on the ice, what is it? Is Second of all, is it an egregious goalie interference? We do expect the goalies to uh, uh, fight through some slight bump and slight uh, uh, knocks around the crease. Not that they get knocked out of position, not that they can't play their position, but hockey's a game of contact, and there is slight contact all the time, even around the crease. Uh, the, the next thing we'd look about, look at is how did the skater get to the crease? Did he go there on his own? Was his path straight to the crease? And if it was, uh, and he made contact in the blue, then there's a good chance we're going to change that goal. And uh, especially if the goalie couldn't play his position. And we'll get the referees on the phone and and many times are in the headsets, and many times they'll say, geez, we didn't see that happening in the blue. We thought it was in the white, or we didn't see the contact. Uh, so those are the conversations that go on, and very often we're fairly clear in what we're going to rule, uh, you know, before the ruling comes out. We'll, we'll, we'll talk amongst ourselves in the room. We'll communicate with the referees, and a lot of that's done by Chris King and Rod Pasma, who do the, a lot of the heavy lifting with, when it comes to communicating with the referees. And then we'll make the judgment. And uh, very often, uh, in fact, I don't remember many cases where the referee would disagree with what we've, what we've asked them to look at and asked them to, re to re-examine and uh, that's kind of the process that we go through. And uh, as I said earlier, we try to do this in an expeditious fashion and try to get the ruling back to the ice as quick as we can because it's, you know, I, we know how painful it is to be for the fans to be sitting there. 
Mike, I, I hope we can do this again because I, I love talking to you and I find it so interesting to hear about this stuff. Uh, but I got time to, to sneak in one more. Yeah, and, okay. and one thing, and as I, I, when we spoke briefly this afternoon, you know, I said I, I work with Rob Brown, and we often, you know, we take calls after games. Sometimes fans are a little upset if they feel a call went against the Oilers that they're not sure about. And, and, and sometimes Rob and I will say there's a difference between a between bad rule enforcement, where maybe a ref misses a trip or something like that, and a bad rule that may be something that we as media guys and fans can discuss. Hey, maybe they should change that. Like, have you ever? I mean, I'm asking you to go a bit behind the scenes here, but like, have you ever said like, hey, we're enforcing the rule by the book, but I'm not sure that's a good rule anymore. Like, do those discussions happen or is there an example? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we have that discussions. In fact, we try to build a file of plays that we think we, we, we need to look at over the course of a season. Uh, we have a general managers meeting, a, a big one coming up in March where a lot of the information that we collect over the course of the uh, uh, over the season, we'll we'll bring forward and discuss with them. And nothing's coming to mind right now. Um, I, I think you know something like uh, the goalies knocking the net off. It seems to be a hot button point right now. Uh, so we've started to examine a lot of the plays where. Uh, the goalies are so big and strong now, and they use the posts for leverage, and a lot of times they will knock the net off. And whether it's intentional or unintentional, we have to do something about it because it stops the game and very often stops scoring chances, which uh, which we don't want. We want that it's a competitive advantage for the goalie to knock the net off. So we'll examine ways we could change that rule. Maybe there's better pegs we can put in that will still give way when a player slides into them but won't be as easy to dis dislodge when a goalie bumps it. So that's some that's that's kind of a topic that we we've looked at and, and it'll be in our file and it will be discussed by all the thirty two general managers and they'll give us a direction on that where we have to go. There's other ones too. There's smaller ones and little more uh, uh, just to keep the game as as pure and as great as it is, because we've got the greatest game, and right now the players that are playing it are sensational. I mean, every night you watch spectacular plays and spectacular saves, and it's it's just a pleasure to have been involved in it. But that's a little bit of what we try to do is to build files that we can present to the general managers and let them make these these decisions on them. And then if they decide we want to change it, we'll do the enforcement from there. Mike, I really enjoyed our conversation. I, I do hope we can find time for uh, a, another one, maybe, you know, maybe closer to the postseason or in the postseason, because I, I loved your insight, and I think a lot of listeners did as well. Thank you for being so generous with your time. And, and again, amazing career, and it sounds like you're still going to be popping into the Situation Room some nights as well, so uh, continue to enjoy that. Reed, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I, I, if I pop into the situation, I'll try not to do any Edmonton games. How's that? <laughs> I don't know. I think people probably trust you a lot now after hearing this, so maybe they watch on Oilers games. But thank you. <laughs> See you, Reed. Good talking with you. Mike Murphy, great discussion. Former NHL VP of Hockey Operations.